So, Freaks, it's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this episode of Tales from the Crypt. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Mayor Scott Conger from Jackson, Tennessee, to talk about his recent foray into Bitcoin, but more focused on what it's like running a city, the problems that mayors face, the type of solutions they try to bring forth for their local communities, the difference between politicians at the local level versus the federal level, the distance that the federal level has from uh, the information source of local communities and, and how they really can't affect, or they can affect it, but they can't effectively allocate capital, I guess is what you would say, to these local communities. They, they take broad brush approaches to uh, every city. They treat every city as fungible when, when it's not. So this, this episode focused a lot on on local governance and and turning towards that, especially in times of distress like we've had in the last year with COVID. And it's an interesting episode in terms of getting some insight into what it was like for for the mayor of a of a relatively small city during this trying time. So it was brought to you by our good friends at the motherfucking Cash If you're listening to this on Wednesday, May 19th, when it was recorded and posted, uh, in the middle of a, a pretty sizable dump here, apparently a lot of exchanges are going down. Again, this is anecdotal, anecdotal. It's what the freaks are tweeting at me and uh, saying to me in our Sphinx chat, but apparently a lot of the exchanges are down. Cash App has been one of the stalwarts that has uh, allowed you freaks to stack sats during this massive dip. I think there's a lot of freaks out there stacking the dip right now uh and apparently cash apps one of the only apps working right now so kudos to cash app they help you stack sats you can send sats receive sats we're saying sats 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 because there's 100 million sats in one whole bitcoin you don't need to stack a whole bitcoin or a fraction of a bitcoin you can stack whole sats instead <clears throat> cash app makes it very easy uh you can dca in the sats you can set it for getting you by daily weekly or now i need to change this term there's been a huge debate about this what does bi-weekly mean i looked up the definition today it means every two weeks or twice a week very confusing so bi-weekly in the context of dcaing on cash app is every two weeks so we're going to change it to that you can set and forget it you buy daily weekly or every two weeks you set a set amount of sats that you want to stack and then cash app will automatically dca into that that stat stack for you uh, beyond that they have their cash card accepted anywhere visas accepted uh, you be your bank account. You can direct deposit your bank, uh, your bank, your paychecks into the Cash App. They're offering account numbers and routing numbers. So if you haven't downloaded the Cash App yet, go ahead and do so. Use the code Stacking Sats. It's S T A C K I N G S A T S. You're going to get ten dollars, and ten dollars going to go to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. That's Owls Lacrosse. Woo, woo, woo. Owls Lacrosse. Not that dirtbag Owl. I hear he's going to Miami. Stay away. Keep your kids away from him. If you bring them to Miami, keep them far away from that dirt bag. This rip was also brought to you by our good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle is here to bring you freaks lending products, particularly a uh, non-custodial lending product. So this this is available to freaks that live in the U.S. Hoddle Hoddle products typically in the past have not been uh, accessible to U.S. citizens because we have a crazy regulatory environment here. And uh, you just couldn't use Hoddle Hoddle until Landed Hoddle Hoddle came. 
Again, because it's non-custodial, U.S. clients can access this. And the way it works, it's a peer-to-peer lending and borrowing between users globally, anonymously, and on your own terms. No KYC, no AML. If you're short funds, you don't need to sell your Bitcoins. Get some liquidity by borrowing, using your Bitcoin as collateral. Uh, And again, you don't have to entrust somebody with your funds. It's a multi-sig escrow where you hold one key, your counterparty holds another key, and HODL HODL holds the third key. So you can always make sure that the SATs that you put in your collateral uh, multi-sig account or your wallet your address aren't moving you know they aren't being rehypothecated okay if you have some stable coins and you want to get some yield on those you enter the other side of that marketplace uh, you put them up to be lent out uh, and and you lend them out for some yield to to bitcoiners who are looking for some liquidity so create your own offers and set your own terms on lend.hodlhodl.com that's l-e-n-d dot h-o-d-l h-o-d-l dot com incredible product incredible team Leveraging Bitcoin's native properties. You love to see it. This rope was also brought to you by good friends at Compass Mining. Compass Mining is here to take out the complexity of mining for individuals. They're going to really make it easy for you guys to acquire miners and then plug them in at a hosting facility with competitive electricity costs. So the way it works, you go to compassmining.io, C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G.io. You pick a... Your miner model, what they have available. I saw they just uh, signed a big deal with MicroBT, which provides what's miners to the market. Uh, you pick the mining model you want uh, based off how many terahashes you're producing, how much it costs, how much it could potentially stack for you. Uh, you purchase that miner, and then you you decide where you want to plug it in. They have a plethora of hosting facilities with competitive, again, competitive electricity cost you pick the hosting facility that you want to plug your miner in with a particular hosting cost. Uh, you buy the miner on Compass. Uh, you pick the hosting facility, Compass gets the miner, plugs it into that hosting facility, and then they stream sats from your miner into a wallet of your choice. It's a beautiful thing. They're trying to get more individuals into the mining game at competitive electricity cost. So go to compassmining.io, that's C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G.io uh, to check it out. We also have a special link uh, in the show notes if you guys want to use our link particularly. That will help us stack some sats as well. Uh, last but not least, this rip is brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Brains. Brains is here uh, to provide you freaks, to provide the mining industry specifically, uh, with good firmware, a mining pool in the form of slush pool, and they've got a uh, now new like mining farm. They've got a new mining farm manager. I was trying to think of the words there. So Brains, uh, a couple major product updates that can make your life much easier for Bitcoin miners, especially larger operators running Brains OS Plus. Uh, It's a brand new, again, Brains OS Plus manager, an online platform enables miners to remotely monitor and manage all of their ASICs running Brains OS Plus. This can help miners improve uptime and keep their farms running optimally without the hassle of needing to go on site 24-7. You don't want to have to go on, like change things like monitoring, like you, you want to spend time with your family, your friends, you want to like set it and forget it. I'm not saying this is exactly set it and forget it, but it's like set it and have more peace of mind. All right, the manager will and always is and will always be free for Brains OS Plus miners, and they can connect with an unlimited number of devices. So you can track it on your computer, your tablet, your cell phone, whatever it may be. Security and efficiency were top priorities. Brains OS Plus Manager uses Stratum B2 for smaller and less frequent data transfers with all ASIC configuration and telemetry data being sent via encrypted messaging. This is very important because this will prevent and protect against eavesdropping and man-in-the-middle attacks uh, that attackers could engage and engage in. They could... They could throw your way to hijack some of your hash rate 
and steal some of that hash rate, the stack sats, uh, for themselves. So don't let these these man in the middle and eavesdropping attacks affect you. Uh, Stratum B2 solves that problem. For details on the manager and how to set it up with your mining operation, go to Brains, that's B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com slash blog, and check out the Brains OS Plus Manager Launch article. Again, that's Brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com uh, slash blog. Brains OS Plus Manager launch article. Also, Slush Pool has a major upgrade coming. It's going to allow you to split rewards, <clears throat> work granularly, uh, and pick different reward thresholds for when you want to have them released to you. Also, they're getting dark theme for 24-7 hash rate monitoring. That's easy on the eyes. So follow Slush underscore pool on Twitter to see the announcement when the pool update goes live. Enjoy this, Rip Freaks. We've got a very strong uh, individual running a very strong small town in the form of Jackson, Tennessee. Enjoy it. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. Probably should be. Probably should be. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent here on a beautiful Wednesday morning, sitting down with the mayor of Jackson, Tennessee, Scott Conger. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me this morning. Really excited. I'm really excited. Uh, thank you for coming on. I know you're an extremely busy man. And, um, You've sort of hopped onto the Bitcoin scene recently, coming out saying, "Hey, you got laser eyes. You're you're throwing your weight behind Bitcoin uh, as the mayor of Jackson, Tennessee, and this is something uh, a trend that we've been paying particular attention to here at Tales from the Crypt and the broader Bitcoin community over the last year with COVID. I'm sure we'll talk about the lockdowns, how that affected um, your city particularly, but uh, there's this trend towards localization." and a sort of shift towards jurisdictional arbitrage on a state to state level. But I'm very interested to talk to you on what it's like running a small city. Um, but before we jump in, you're, you're the third mayor in your family of Jackson, Tennessee. Is this correct? Yeah. Yeah. We've, three of us have been fortunate enough to, to serve in this position. My, my great, great, great grandfather uh, served in 1861 and 1871. And then uh, my grandfather served in this position from 1967 to, to 1989. And um, it just long enough ago to to still have some employees here at the city that, that work for him uh, that, that now I get to work with. And uh, I can't see too much, but right here at the desk I'm sitting at and then also the, the nameplate on the desk or my grandfather. So this was in another office when I moved into City Hall and, and worked around and got it moved up here so I could use the same desk. So it's, it's pretty cool. That's really cool. It's yeah, it's uh, it's something that a lot of Bitcoiners talk about a lot with low time preference or lowering your time preference and building a strong family in a strong town. And I was telling you before we hit record that uh, I was at a wedding a, a few weeks ago and uh, I had a buddy in the shipping industry who was telling me that he does a lot of work with Jackson because uh, the fact that Pringles is there. So you, you open a can of Pringles, look on the bottom of it, made in Jackson. We even not only make the Pringles, but the uh, nice tubes that you really just can't fit your hand in. Uh, th those are also made in Jackson too. Yeah, so what's the uh, what's the lo local economy like? I, I again caught um, some of your episode with CK from Bitcoin Magazine, saying mm -hmm. you're, you're sort of a hub city within Tennessee. Yeah. 
Western so we're, our, our city population is uh, right around 68,000. And so, um, but our, our county population is right at 98,000. We serve, you know, we're in the middle of rural West Tennessee. We're, we're 89 miles from Memphis. We're, you know, two, two and a half hours from Nashville, Tennessee, right on I-40. Uh, so our, our service area is, is about half a million people. So we have rural counties around us. Uh, they come here to work, um, come here to, to do shopping for their health care, entertainment. And so while our, our population is 68,000, on any given day, we're at 120,000, 130,000 in the city uh, with people coming in to, to do various things. And so we've, we've been a hub since we've been established. We'll actually be celebrating our bicentennial this year uh, in culminating August of 22. And so um, we've been a rail hub. Um, you know, we have, like I said, interstate running through here. And so uh, we're manufacturing industries real heavy here as well. Uh, we're the only hospital, I think there's two more hospitals in the rural West Tennessee, uh, but we're the, our hospital system is the number one employer in West Tennessee. And so um, we provide healthcare out through clinics and, and everything out and they all, all located here in Jackson. Awesome. So is it a, is it a tight knit community in Jackson? What's it like running a city of 68,000 people? You know, it's, it's a, it's like a, it's a little big town in Jackson because so many people come in and out. Um, and so, you know, any given time, if you're going to a restaurant or you're going to, to an event going on in the city, then there's a likelihood that you're going to be sitting next to someone or, or having a conversation with someone that doesn't live here. And so, um, I think there's, there's tight knit communities around the city. Uh, but as far as just our diversity goes, and we have so many people coming in and out, uh, gives us a lot of opportunity to meet new folks and, uh, and tell them about Jackson and, and bring them back here. Yeah. So what's your focus? It's your day to day, like as a mayor. Um, oh man. Uh, last year, I'm sure it's been a heck of <laughs> 14 months. I, I took office July 1 of 2019. So I had a good, you know, seven, eight months of, I guess you call it normalcy before a pandemic hit. Uh, you know, but the, the focus that we have here and it has been since uh, I ran for office, you know, we want to do everything transparent. We want to do it inclusive. I'm going to make sure we're, we're driving efficiency in how we operate, provide services. And then our focuses that we have are infrastructure, public safety, quality of life. We want to make sure people feel safe. Um, we, we're, we have some, you know, I think with a lot of local governments and financial issues that we have to work through, uh, that we are working through and um, can put that investment in our infrastructure. And then make sure people have something to do and they want to live here, that they want to move here, they want to come visit Jackson. Uh, and so those are the three focuses. So everything that we do, uh, whatever initiative it is, we ask the three questions. Is it transparent, inclusive, efficient? And does it fall in the categories of infrastructure, public safety, quality of life? Yeah. Keep it simple, stupid, right? You, you can, you know, you can do a bunch of things in those categories, right? Uh, and so yeah, as long as it falls there, we can keep our focus. Because uh, I think if you start trying to multitask too much in too many different areas, uh, that's where you get into trouble. You overreach. Uh, I think that, you know, no fault of any other previous administration, but I think it's the overreaching that's happened that's kind of put us in our financial situation. So we have to really bring it back in and focus on the basics uh, to get us through where we are. Our, our debt service payments are really high right now. Uh, we have about three more years of that. Uh, and then we'll, we'll have a lot of capital freed up. And so we got to, it really requires us to focus on the basics to make sure we're providing the services we're realigning. And so that we're, we're preparing for the future. You know, I'm probably way different than most politicians. Uh, my number one goal is not to get my, my number one goal is, is not getting reelected. Right. I'm, I'm here to make Jackson sustainable, better and build it for the future. I would, I want to get reelected. 
Um, but I don't make every decision with that in mind. I make every decision on how's it going to better position Jackson for the future. Uh, how's it going to make sure that my, my three and five year old, when they grow up, that Jackson's a viable city for them to stay and live in. Um, and so it's, it's about building that foundation and, and building for the future. Yeah. Now, like we, we were discussing before we had recorded the, the book strong towns that, um, is really, um, always on the top of my mind. Cause it's crazy when you think of it, like you as a local politician, you're closest to the information source of what your citizens actually need. And I think mm-hmm. the big problem in the United States right now is we've, we've trended heavily towards the federal government making a bunch of decisions for the whole country, uh, a bunch of people in DC far, far removed from the source of information, which is local citizens in, in small towns around the country. And, and we've come to find that these broad brush decisions that are made uh, in DC tend to uh, basically treat different parts of the country and affect different parts of the country differently, drastically differently. There's no one size fits all sweeping legislation is going to impact everyone equally and, and fairly. Uh, and so that's, that's why I'm, I'm, I've been driven toward local government because you see that impact on a daily basis and it's much quicker, not as quick as I want it to be, but uh, patience is something I've learned is much quicker to see, have an idea and see it come to fruition and see the impact that it has at the local level uh, than anything that's going to happen at the state and federal level. Yeah. Yeah. It's again, like I, I think people are starting to wake up to this fact. Yeah. Maybe we do need to like sort of get back into the hole and, and focus on local localities and, and decisions made at that level and be more grassroots about What's going on? All politics are local. and It's so <clears throat> disheartening to see the voter participation at the federal level. You see at a presidential election, and we're seeing 63, 64% voter participation. You get local elections, you know, we're at 24. And so just that disconnect of the understanding of the decisions that are made at, at city council level, county commission level, uh, those have a far greater impact on your day-to-day life than anything that Congress or Senator of the White House decides. Yeah, and that's why... It's very interesting that Bitcoin's in the mix now and seeing who uh, gravitates toward Bitcoin, who puts their neck out there and says, hey, like, yeah, as a, as a city, as a state, we're going to invest in Bitcoin. And this is a, a personal decision we're making. And so obviously, that's why we're sitting here talking today is because you are one of the few mayors throughout the country who has decided to um, take a risk and throw your weight behind Bitcoin in some regards. So what was the process that, that led you to make that decision to inject okay. Uh, yeah, pandemic treats everyone differently and it has an effect on people and you, you end up spending a lot more time on this and, and searching the internet because you're not able to go do things. Um, and, and so you know, Twitter, I think, is really what kind of opened me up to it and, and looking at it and, and seeing articles and reading about it a little bit and um, then and seeing what Mayor Suarez was doing in Miami. And, you know, we're we're West Tennessee, so we're not exactly Miami, um, you know, but we, we have the nice Deer River here. We don't have the, the ocean. In the, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and looking at what he was doing, thinking yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I, I like the way he thinks and, and the drive and the, the direction he's going. I don't know, though, if, it, if, if Jackson could do that just because of the dynamics are very different. And the more I, I looked and the more I read and, and started having conversations with people, um, it, it really looked at something. No, we don't have to do it to the level of what Miami is. Miami's much bigger than Jackson. But if we want to, back to what I was talking about, sustain the future for the city, for the citizens, and set up that ability to succeed in the future. Uh, you know, right now we're asking ourselves questions 
that have or in it. Do we want to buy a fire truck or do we want to pave a street? Do we want to, to refurbish a building or do we want to do something else? I want to get us to the point in the future, however long that takes, that we don't have to ask the or question. We can just say, and we're going to do this and we're going to do this because we're so financially solvent and we're in a much better position to be able to have those decisions. And so, uh, you know, one uh, one conversation I had was with a, with a local guy here who got into Bitcoin back in 2015, uh, started in late 14 with the sole purpose of disproving Bitcoin, uh, doing his research. And four months later was, you know, driving to, to Memphis and getting to the Bitcoin ATMs and putting his jump drive in and, and purchasing Bitcoin. So um, the, the light bulb moment for me, the aha was he's in the fencing business. And so lumber is astronomical right now. Uh, and, and his comment was, yes, lumber is, if you're looking at U.S. dollars, lumber is crazy expensive, it's way more expensive than it was last year. But you look at it in terms of sats, it's actually cheaper than it was this time last year. And so uh, looking at that ability, that um, decentralization of it, um, the, the long-term appreciation of the assets, you know, we get into the short-term volatility and until mass adoption is, it's going to happen. There's going to be short-term volatility. We're seeing that right now. Um, but the long-term appreciation of the asset and the, the utility of it, I think, will only enhance and increase. Yeah, and I think, in terms of, like, and that's another thing I've been saying a lot, like in terms of something that's very aligned with the ideals that this country was founded on, freedom of speech, freedom of association, property rights, sound money actually was another um, uh, tenant of the, the founding of this country that people seem to just gloss over. But Bitcoin stays true to that and extends it into the future, into the digital age. And I, I, that's why I'm so appreciative that you as a mayor are sticking your neck out and, and doing this vocally because I think it's imperative. And, that, that well, I think it's, it's, a, it's a great equalizer as well too, right? Because you know, kind of we're, we're getting a blockchain task force together uh, here in Jackson. I think we're scheduled to meet here in a couple of weeks of, of you know, looking at what we can do as a city. And, and we know that we have some hurdles to get over at our state legislation for us to be able to, to mine and hold the Bitcoin on our balance sheet. But you know, we can do other things. Um, we have a retirement system for our employees. We have a deferred compensation system for our employees that goes into an IRA. Um, but what if we have another deferred comp system for our employees that they can utilize uh, payroll deduction to invest in Bitcoin, uh, to just take that out, utilize that DCA and not look at it like I do every five minutes. Um, but, you know, do that. And, you know, this with everyone else is the great equalizer. 86% of people in America have a smartphone and that's, that's all you need. Uh, and you can utilize that um, to, to really create that wealth um, and, and just level the playing field for everybody because everyone can participate. I think that's part of the education piece, right? You know, people go, well, Bitcoin's, you know, what, 38,000, 40,000 right now. But, you know, at times when it was 65,000 a couple months ago, no one can afford it. I can, you know, only rich people can afford it. Well, you don't have to buy the whole coin. Let's, let's look at the Satoshis and how you can buy those and the, the education piece on, on what really it is. Yeah, no, it's a, the unit bias is, is a massive sort of mental blocker that a lot of people have to come mm-hmm. overcome, but uh, yeah, it will come with time. And I, I think the make that, that's a great thing like a city could do, like America do, like to your, your employees, like, hey, educate. Like we have the ability to, um, to help you DCA into this asset. You don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. Right. Right there. 
Um, and it's incredible. And again, it's people closest to the source of information, what their citizens need. They need something to uh, protect themselves from inflation and the city helping them do that is incredible. I'm from Philadelphia originally. And actually my dad sent me last night, uh, there's, there's a restaurant in Philadelphia that's actually, uh, enticing because we have this problem now where everybody's getting unemployment. Nobody wants to go back to work. So this, this one restaurant company in, in Philadelphia is enticing people by giving them, um, like a $200 bonus if they sign up, but they're also going to educate them about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Oh, wow. Yeah. Incentive that, um, draws people in. And yeah, so, I think we have to get creative on that. And, and the education piece is, is crucial. Um, yeah. that block. Yeah. Well, you're mentioning you guys have some hurdles to come over, uh, to overcome in terms of legislation to allow yourselves to actually put Bitcoin on the balance sheet and mine Bitcoin, I, I guess, for any other, uh, city officials that may be listening to this podcast. What, what are some of the hurdles that you, you're seeing personally and, and how you, um, uh, want to overcome them. Moving yeah, forward. I think the, the really only hurdle is, and I think we have some support uh, at the state level. I know that I've, I've talked to other the mayors around the state that uh, that support this as well, but it just um, the, the statute that's written in, in Tennessee code doesn't allow local governments to hold. They define what you can hold um, on your balance sheet as, as an investment and no crypto, Bitcoin or anything is not, is not in the definitions of what you can hold. So it's, it's not a, you can't do this. It's just not in the definitions of what you can do. So it has to be added to allow us to do that. And so uh, in our legislation meets um, starting in January and they go to about April or May as their session. So they're not a year long session. So just something we got to prepare for and uh, get some, some sponsors for next year to allow us to do that. You guys allowed to hold cash? Allowed to hold cash. Yeah. Bitcoin's cash. Just say that. Hey, we're holding cash. <laughs> I'll let you talk to the comptroller about that. And <laughs> Uh, I'm, a, I'm a little more shoot from the hip. Like, oh, no, we're just holding cash. It's digital cash, but it's cash. Yeah, yeah. I, I love to be able to do that. The, the controller frowns on that. They, 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 are, they follow in very specific definitions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I guess what, what else is, or I mean, you, you talked about when you're making decisions for your local city. Like, what, was, what were some of the struggles that you saw over the last year, the effects of lockdown? Uh, well, I think just as a city standpoint, and it's still affecting us today, um, planning. Um, how do we budget and how do we plan? Because we went into to our, our fiscal years, July 1 to June 30. Um, you know, the pandemic hit us in March. Uh, we went into to this fiscal year not knowing, you know, is sales tax going to tank, our hotel motel tax, you know, what is that going to be? That, that's a lot of our revenue source. Uh, we actually plan for a 10% reduction in our sales tax revenue. Um, we've been very fortunate. And I think that's because folks have been printing money like crazy. So, uh, you know, stimulus have come in, uh, the panic buying, a lot of those contributing factors, uh, unemployment. And so the buying power hasn't gone away. And so we've actually seen a seven and a half percent increase of our sales tax revenue from uh, FY20. And so great swing for us. We've, we've been very conservative. Um, um, unfortunately, at that time, because we had a huge deficit in our budget, I furloughed 193 employees, uh, laid off 24 employees. My department heads are, are phenomenal, along with every employee here. They they took a 5% reduction in their salary for the furloughed period of 16 weeks. I enacted a 15% reduction in my salary for 15 weeks, which uh, was interesting. And so you do those things going, this is what I'm going to do. We're, gonna, I'm, we're all in this together. 
and not thinking that the city council actually sets my salary. And so I can't just go to HR and say, reduce my salary by 15%. So I don't get taxed on that other 15% that I want you to reduce it by. And so I got paid the full amount, got taxed to the full amount and had to turn around and write the 15% back <laughs> to the city. So um, the government still got me twice. Uh, but, um, you know, we, we did a lot of cuts, um, you know, really realigned how we were going to, to operate. Uh, and so uh, we we're, we're positioned now on a, a $12 million swing. We're, we're looking at a, an eight million, eight and a half million dollar surplus revenues over expenses by the end of this fiscal year, because we've taken those precautions. And because I think that, that our revenue projections have been much greater than what we anticipated. But as we're planning for our budget this year, at some point that's going to flatten at some point that's going to decline because the stimulus will stop. Unemployment will stop. Uh, the extra unemployment benefits will stop. And so where does that leave us in buying power of sales tax revenue? Um, and, and so you go from one instance on the other end, you can't plan because you're expecting a reduction to now you've seen such an increase that you can't plan for because you know, at some point that's going to stop. You don't know when it is, don't know what the decrease will be. And so it's, it's been it's been difficult for us just as an organization, and you know our, our small businesses struggled, our, our hotels struggled. Um, you know we fortunately were were not in that that lockdown phase as long as as others were, um, and we've been our health departments there, man, they're they're rock stars here, um, and so we're actually if not in the top three, and we are the top county in the state of, of vaccination distribution. And so we've hit the message. We got together very early <clears throat> on how to protect our citizens. You know, the goal was from for us, it wasn't about you know, taking rights away. It wasn't about, you know, keeping people from getting COVID-19. Our goals were very simple, protect our most vulnerable population and to protect our hospital capacity. That was it. But we're the only hospital, inpatient hospital that can treat COVID-19 between Memphis and Nashville. And so we're serving, you know, 19 counties. Um, and so we, we had a census, you know, we were at, at one point, they were, our hospital was nervous on, on what the overflow was going to look like. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people, because you're having to quarantine people and nurses are getting COVID and doctors are getting COVID. And so th those are our goals. And when we got to the numbers that we felt comfortable with and we relaxed <clears throat> any of the business closures very early on. Um, we relaxed capacity issues very early on, uh, kept a mass mandate until, till March. Um, but we saw our numbers decline. And right now we're in for our county is you know, we're at five, four new cases a day. And so, um, you know, our, our vaccination percentage is right around 50% in Madison County. So it's, um, you know, our, our people have really stepped up across the county and across the city. And uh, I think a lot of that is just a testament to us being very direct on what our goal was. Um, and then being able to, to reduce and relax some of those restrictions and then, you know, now traveling was uh, was an issue. Hotels still didn't get, didn't, didn't see a lot of pickup until late fall, but uh, it, it wasn't because we didn't allow them to. We wanted to make sure that our businesses had every opportunity they could to be successful um, and, and worked with them. I mean, that's one of the tragedies of last year is the, the shuttering of small businesses and the demolition of small. My parents run a coffee shop in our town outside of, our small town outside of Philadelphia. They were affected pretty pretty aggressively. My dad works at a couple of restaurants. They had to shift to a takeout model and all that, but obviously was nowhere near where their revenue should have been. Obviously the, the stimulus does help out, but there's, there's a lot of small businesses that didn't make it through this and it's yeah. a shame. 
but, but then on the other side, and I probably see the, the silver lining, you saw the drive for, for technological pushes on, on adoption, on how you do business. Uh, you saw the innovation from people of, I can't have you come in and sit down like you normally do. This is what we're going to do. We're going to offer outside seating. We're going to turn the sidewalk into seating. We're going to have to go, you know, our, our state said, alcohol is important. We're going to allow you to have to go drink from restaurants. Uh, so, you know, there was that innovation piece on how can we make it work to the best of our ability. And uh, you saw a lot of people step up and, and do that and really get creative. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is, is there's uh, some changes that were made in the last year that you think will stick after this, after we get back to normal and like outside, outside dining. Is that, that yeah, like- I think so. And, you know, we've, we've talked about how do, how do we encourage that? How do we encourage those changes? So we're looking at some of our local zoning ordinances on, on parking lots, you know, historically we've required a massive amount of parking for a retail space. Well, retail has changed. We've seen that from e-commerce um, and we don't, we don't build roads for 30 minutes of congestion. So why do we build parking lots for a month of congestion? And so how do we change that to encourage green spaces, to encourage walkability, uh, to get those outside dining? I know that our, our state has said, I think through next year, the year after, they're allowing to go alcoholic beverages. So you can you know, call up a restaurant, order a margarita, come pick it up and take it to the house. <laughs> it's probably better than an at-home margarita. I'd hope so. Yeah. Well, and so how do you, how do you view, view taxes as a mayor uh, in terms of adding potential? New taxes, reducing taxes. What what is that? So our our goal has been uh, <clears throat> that's the last thing that I want to do. I mean, it's you know we we've talked about that and in the way that that our budget is structured, our budget is seventy seven million dollars uh, right now. Eleven and a half million of that seventy seven million goes to debt service. And so um, our, our our principal balance is not bad. It's we paid off 11 million last year, so we're at 68 million. Into this year, we'll be at right around 59, 60 million. The structure of the debt was what is really hurting us because we have balloon payments until FY 24, and so um, that, that's it. Really hamstrings on how we do things, and so that you know, worst case scenario, let's just say everything fell out and we couldn't afford to pay our police officers and firefighters, and I had to go and say to the taxpayers, "This is what we have to do." Um, not going to, I will never do that until I've gone through every opportunity to drive efficiency in how we operate. And that's, I think there's just a lot of ways that government can operate efficiently. Uh, and that's what we've been doing. I think that's also, again, the silver lining of the pandemic government, not excluded from having to get innovative and creative on how we operate. And so we've, we've implemented technology across our system uh, to allow us to monitor, to, to utilize fuel efficiency, uh, to make sure that, that we're operating to the most efficient capability and reducing our costs so that I'd never, I never want to go to ask the taxpayers for more money. Uh, we want to make sure that we're doing things as creative as possible. Yeah, no. And the reason I ask that is because I have this, this thesis, I wrote a newsletter probably about a month ago now at this, this point called the last tax because, um, great American mining, the company I work for, we talk to a lot of States that have uh, a bunch of natural gas and, particularly states that have been affected by the federal ban on fracking on federal mm-hmm. lands. Um, and, and there, a lot of these states are no income tax, but like would, would Tennessee, yeah. furlough workers and cut federal, uh, state workers before raising taxes. And so trying to think how to get creative with Bitcoin to mine, like Bitcoin mining, particularly like 
if you have stranded energy sources or excess capacity at a power facility center, right? the, the ability with, uh, with an investment in some mining infrastructure at the city or state level to, to plug in miners and just have that, those sats roll into a permanent fund that makes mm -hmm. it, you don't have to raise taxes or, or fire employees. It makes a lot yeah. of, but I don't and, know. You're, and this is the goal for us to be allowing to hold that on the balance sheet so that we, we can have that asset appreciation and so that we never have to get to that point that our assets are appreciating at, at a much faster rate than inflation is going up. Yeah. But does this seem like a viable option, like mining particularly, you think? Yeah. You know, that was the original idea that we had was, you know, if, if we spend, you know, several thousand dollars and, and set up mining for us um, and then, you know, just to start, we could, we have space in our buildings and do it in, in off peak hours that allows our local energy authority to, to plan and balance. And so no peaks and valleys, they can just, they can set and maintain. Uh, we have, you know, we're with TVA, our energy authorities, fantastic. And so we have, we have the opportunities to do that. We have, we have low energy costs. Um, we were the first city in the state to have gig fiber internet. Um, problem is we didn't tell anybody. <laughs> and so uh, one of the cities across the other side of the state was the second city, but they told everybody they had the first one. And so now they're considered the first because they, because we didn't tell anyone. Are you guys uh, better rivals now? Do what? You guys better rivals now? No, I just, I like to remind them when I talk to someone from, from that area, Hey, y'all you know, say y'all were first, but uh, <laughs> just because we didn't tell anyone. So uh, we have those opportunities. We have the gig internet. We have low energy costs. Uh, our property taxes are low. Cost of living is low. I mean, you look at a house right now, even with the inflated market, is $150 a square foot. That's, in, that's inflated market right now. Um, so uh, no, in, no state income tax. Um, so we, we have all the amenities of, of a city that, that can focus on that, that future economy infrastructure. We just got to get there and we got we to gotta promote the ideas that can do that. Yeah. No, I mean, it seems like people are flocking towards these states and cities from from the Northeast and, and West Coast, particularly. Um, but if you don't tell anybody how good it is, then, then they go somewhere else. And so it's, it's our goal now is to start telling people what the opportunities are. Yeah. Have you seen people starting to seriously consider it uh, that you wouldn't expect? Or? Uh, I think we're starting to get some some inquiries. Um, you know, our housing market, like I said, is in play is very tight right now. <clears throat> so we're, we're having to figure out, you know, what can we do to expedite the process of new construction? Um, and, and like you mentioned earlier, unemployment, it's, it's hard to get people on the job site. And so, um, you know, it, I look at it as a great problem to have that we're having to build more houses because people want to come here. Um, and so we, I think right now we, we haven't turned quite turned that corner yet of those, those newer technological companies and industries in, in 21st century. Um, we're still very much, healthcare manufacturing focused. Um, but all it takes is one just to start that snowball down the hill. And then we can, we can open up the floodgates here. Tennessee is a beautiful state freaks. I've had uh, the pleasure of driving through the Smokies a few times and, and going to Nashville a couple of times. It's, mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was a no income uh, tax state until like yeah, no income tax. And you know, our, ours is our local taxes here for properties, a dollar 96 per hundred dollar valuation on the, on the house. Um, and then the, you have, if you live in the city, pay county as well, it's 233. So yeah, very low. Yeah. Now that's a, considering the, how hot the real estate market is across the country, it's, it's encouraging to see that you guys aren't, uh, as hot as, as a lot of the markets and across the country, because it is getting insane. Again, the Philadelphia area, people are paying like 
cash same day, 10%. But yeah, they're, they're doing that here too. We've, I've talked to several realtors that uh, they have to cap the bids because the house won't appraise for as high as their, the offers are coming in at. <laughs> it's, it's, we live in weird times. We live in weird times. And so I, I guess that's another question. Like if, let's say the Fed and the federal government are truly running the, the national like economy into the ground with inflation and printing uh, like Bitcoin's obviously a way that you can help um, sort of protect yourself from that future inflation uh, hopefully. And, but like how else do you, do you prepare like a local city if, if this is uh, if we're truly at a moment where it seems like the fed and the, and the treasury are losing control of, of the money printer. That's a great question that we ask ourselves quite a bit. I think the alternative in, in, in Bitcoin right now is really, for me, the only viable safeguard um, because, you know, inflation is just simply devaluation of the dollar. Yeah, that's it. Um, you know, your dollar, your buying power gets reduced with inflation. And so, um, you know, we have to look at ways to, to reduce that, um, you know, a uh, dollar to a dollar five years ago is now, you know, worth, 65 cents, something like that. So um, it, it's tough because for us locally, now you want to be able to pay, pay your employees. Um, you know, we're looking at how do we give bonuses? How do we provide cost of living raises knowing that inflation is going to hit uh, the highest mark since 2008? Um, you know, the cost for us to do business is increasing. Um, con concrete is increasing. We want to build sidewalks. Asphalt is increasing. We want to pave roads. Um, so it's, it's that balancing act right now. And, and, you know, that's why I think that the adoption of, of Bitcoin is not going to be top down. It's not going to come from the federal government of adoption. It's going to have to be from the local level up on a, as a safeguard and protection from what the federal government is doing. And so, you know, you, you get in there and that disconnect of, of the people that you're serving because you're so far removed. It's hard to see the impact that, that you're having on, on those people. And so, that's why I think this movement is, is going to have to be done at the local level and then go up that way. Yeah, no, and that's why it's extremely encouraging to see that you're, you're offering, uh, before you get this legislation passed, that would allow you to hold Bitcoin on the balance sheet or mine Bitcoin. You're, you're allowing your citizens to DCA in. Like that's arguably one of the best ways you can do it is that the citizens of your city just become mm -hmm. coin holders overall. And they're, they're just becoming individually wealthy over time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Protecting themselves. And then, they're able to give back to the city that they live in the, the strong town. Have you read the book Strong Towns yet? I haven't. It's on my list. You got to read that, man. It's, it's a, uh, it, time to get to sit down and read is, is difficult between the job. I have a, like my wife and I have a three and a five year old. So the other day I was sat down and tried to read a book and, and literally could have been staring at the wall, drooling for four hours. And my name would not have been called the moment I picked the book up. Both kids, daddy, daddy, like just did y'all plan that? I mean, <laughs> That's another guy. Like, I, I have a, a 15, 15 month old son now. It's crazy to think, but no, no, it's, it's, um, I, I know that struggle. Actually, the background behind me is a book I'm reading right now. The, uh, New Ordeals of Liberty, the third volume of like a Thomas Jefferson biography. Um, but yeah, no, I, I broke into it yesterday for, for the first time and I've been wanting to read it for months and I got like 20 pages in I was like, all right, you're done. No more reading. Yeah, we got 20 pages. In. I'm impressed. That's not, I only get like five in for my kids start. <laughs> I mean, as a father of young children, like, as fathers with young children, this is pretty, pretty, uh, 
I don't want to say stressful, but it's like it really makes you think about the future and, and how what we're setting up for our children. Correct? Like, oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and that was a conversation. You know, I I was elected to office when I was thirty five, um, and so you know, my my son was, gosh, uh, fifteen months old when I was elected. Um, my daughter was, I think, just turning three, and so you know, when I announced, my son was six months old. And so it's the question was, you have young kids. um, Why? Well, partially was the reason why Uh, selfishly uh, one we wanted to make sure my wife and I had the conversation of, do we want to just hope for the best and go about our daily lives and and hope that uh, when our kids are grown, go to college, wherever they go, we want them to come back here and see Jackson as a viable option to live and to raise their family. Or do we want to have an active role in creating that opportunity for them? Uh, and selfishly, I, you know, I don't want to have to go on a plane to go visit my kids and you know grandkids at some point. I want to drive two, four hours. I want to be able to drive around the corner to see them because they chose Jackson, not because mom and dad guilted them into to living in Jackson, but because it's a viable option for whatever field they want to go in. And you know, I think in, in a lot of times as a, as a dad, I've, I've learned this: grownups really don't know how to talk to kids. You know, they always ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? I don't ask my kids that. I mean, you know, my, my daughter is, is about to be five and she's a veterinarian one day and she's an astronaut the next day. I just you know, let, let her mind go. And because uh, yeah, you get kids think about what they want to be when they grow up, man, they can be anything they want to be. And, you know, who's who's to say that in 20 years when they're choosing careers? I mean, there's there's careers that we hadn't even thought about yet that are that are going to be there. And, um it's exciting to think about also a little nerve wracking. Uh, but that's why I got to put the work in today. Yeah, I don't think five-year-old Marty uh, could have, could have even said like, I want to be a Bitcoin podcaster at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And that's a very, um, very strong and, and Bitcoin like mentality. It's like, if not me, then who, if the government's not going to fix the money, if the federal government's not going to fix the money, then fuck it. We'll excuse my language. We'll oh, you're fine. Yeah. Go do that. Not, not really. Um, uh, it's really admirable, and you're taking the bull by the horns to make sure that your kids have the future that that you would like them to have. Yeah, I think it's you know this responsibility we all have as parents, and and everyone's role is different, um, especially in a in a local setting. Uh, you know, my my grandmother, my mom, my wife are all public school teachers, so you know they're they're making sure that the next generation is prepared in their role. Um, you know, whether you work in an industry or factory, uh, whatever your role is to create that environment for other people to be successful, to cheer people on when they're successful and to make sure that that we're all helping each other out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing what you do at the local level. And I'm I'm happy, uh, that you exist. The Scott Congers of the world exist. it's, it's, It's the best job you can, anyone could ever have, no matter how stressful the days are. It's, uh, uh, I, I love where I live. Um, I love getting to, to serve people. And you know, like I said, I'm, I'm not always the most politically correct person uh, and uh, very, uh, very sarcastic at times. But, um, you know, I, I, I do with intention of making sure Jackson's going to be better not only today, but tomorrow and in the future. Well, you're on the right podcast for political incorrectness. So. <laughs> uh, that's for sure. No, and, and then uh, I guess you guys got a beautiful landscape and a beautiful town to live in in Jackson too, right? Like, yeah, n- not as, not as mountainous as, uh, as East Tennessee. Uh, we're, we're more agriculture and 
and there's some hills, but uh, we've got a lot of history. Um, you know, it's, uh, I think, I got to look at my grandmother's house. They, she's lived there since the early 50s, and she has a piece in her house that came through the Cumberland Gap. I mean, you see the hand-blown glass in there. So, I mean, the, the history here is, is, is amazing here in West Tennessee and, and what has transpired and what has come through Jackson. Um, you know, international, I mean, National Federal Railroad started here in Jackson. Ivy Tigert, you know, I can look out my office window and see where his office was here in downtown Jackson. So it's a, a lot of history. MD Anderson from Jackson. You know, the song Jackson from Johnny Cash and June Carter. You know, there, there is, you, you go online and say, people go, well, it may be about Jackson, maybe about Jackson, Tennessee. Now, Carl Perkins is from Jackson, Tennessee. They were talking about Jackson, Tennessee. So it's uh, a lot of great history here. It's uh, actually one of my brother's favorite artists and songs. Oh, yeah. That was, that was one of the songs I, I sang to my kids when I was trying to walk them to sleep. I, I was, nothing popped in my head the first night was Johnny Cash. First song was Folsom Prison Blues. So that's my kids have learned that song uh, from me trying to get them to sleep. <laughs> that's not bad we need we need more kids listening to johnny cash these days. oh yeah yeah better than uh cardi b i would say <laughs> yeah well, first time i think after i my, my, my daughter's like three or four that song came on on alexa and she looked up i said you recognize that song she said, yeah where do i know it from why well, i sang it to you every night try to get you to sleep <laughs> it's uh it's embedded deep in your brain uh, yeah yeah life. uh well Thank you for joining me. I know you're an extremely busy man. Um, is there anything before we wrap up here that you, you'd like to articulate to the freaks out there, whether it be in regards to small government, how Bitcoin can help out um, uh, living in a, a, a town of 68,000 people? And Yeah, I, my goal is we don't stay 68,000. I, I want to I keep growing and bring people here. I think Jackson's a great place um, and, and, and love it here and, and you know, we're looking at ways that we can provide a foundation for the future here in Jackson. We want to we want to not only just make the city successful, we want people to be successful. We're looking at ways outside of the norm to financially empower people. Uh, you know, we were one of the five cities across the country that, that received a grant from uh, Cities for Financial Empowerment this last year to create a blueprint to financially empower people. And um, we, we want everyone to be successful and whatever, whatever that looks like for them. You know, my success is different from your success and, and what that looks like individualized success, but uh, to realize their potential. And, you know, as long as I'm in this office, I'm going to cheer anybody on that comes to Jackson and wants to do something good. Well, I wish you luck. Freaks, go check out Jackson, Tennessee. And, uh, it seems like an incredible town. It's got an incredible mayor, at least. Oh, I tell you, in, in, come to City Hall as long as I'm here, doors open. So come on in. I sort of want to come check out that desk just to, just to see. Oh, yeah, it's, it's great. I, and our, our director of maintenance guy, he, he refinished it, and it's, I mean, it looks almost brand new. So it's, it's it's great. It's a uh, slow time preference passing desk down from grandfather to grandson. Well, Mayor Conger, thank you for joining us. I hope you have a, an incredible rest of your day and uh, keep fighting a good fight, man. Thanks. Appreciate you too. All right. Peace and love, freaks.